The following episode contains material of a graphic nature and coarse language. Listener discretion is advised. society something you are listening to serial spirits the podcast All 
Alright guys, welcome to another episode of Serial Spirits the Podcast. It's me, your host, Brendan Shea, and with me as always is my beautiful, lovely co-host. Annie Weebs, how's it going, Shea Bay? We're back. We're, we're back again. We're back again, and we're still on lockdown. I think this is technically the last weekend of lockdown in West Virginia, but in Ohio, which is our neighbor, is going till the 29th of May, which is actually really smart. It is really smart. And so you guys hang in there. We're hanging in there with you. We haven't gone back to work yet. And so, you know, keep listening to your podcast. We've heard from all of our podcasting hosting friends that, you know, podcast listens are down, which gets discouraging. But we know it's because people aren't commuting, aren't listening at their normal times. So if you like Serial Spirits, please head over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Let us know what you think. We appreciate you guys hanging in there with us. We'll be back to normal soon, guys, I promise. Hopefully everything gets back to normal. But before we get into tonight's, which is going to be a pretty depressing, uh, sad episode. It's intense. I just wanted to talk about a couple things. You know, with everything that's been going on with COVID-19, a lot of stuff's been canceled through July. You know, there's a lot of concerts that I know people bought tickets for, big, huge shows that they've canceled. So we were supposed to do a uh, speaking engagement, uh, a live podcast uh, forum with our friends from Hillbilly Horror Stories at Mothman Festival this year. And you can still go and buy tickets for that at eventbrite.com. That's for Mothman Festival, their podcasting event, but we don't know for sure what the future holds and if that's going to be canceled or not. Right, so, we don't have any confirmation yet that they are even thinking about canceling. So as long as Mothman Festival happens, we will be doing this uh, podcasting series with Hillbilly Horror Stories, Mysterious Circumstances, and Hysteria 51. We really look forward to seeing those guys there and you as well. Eventbrite.com. Tickets are 20 bucks. It's a night of so much fun. They have it at the local VFW. So we have drinks, we have snacks, just a really cool opportunity for the podcasting nations to come together there. Yeah, if you're looking for something to do after hours, that's what you do. You come there, you hang out with your favorite podcasting people and you drink some brews. Also, I just want to remind everybody, too, that we've, we've stressed it enough, but at this point, you should know that we have a Patreon at Paranormal Warehouse. Go to patreon.com backslash Paranormal Warehouse to become a member. So, Annie, what are we getting into today? This week's episode is a really difficult topic to discuss. I'll warn you guys now, this one is definitely listener discretion advised. We are talking about the disappearance and murder of a young girl from West Virginia several years back that just, you know, played out on the news as something absolutely terrible. It's difficult to talk about, but it is technically still an ongoing case. So I feel like it's still important to talk about. So let's get into it right now. Christmas Eve marks three months since Aaliyah Lunsford was first reported missing. And with so many unanswered questions, speculation continues to swirl in Lewis County that those closest to Aaliyah no more than they're saying. We're just not going to stop until she's brought home one way or the other. It's a mystery that's shaken this small town to its core. Still searching for answers, protesters wait outside the Lewis County Courthouse seeking justice for Aaliyah Lunsford. She's missing. She's she's gone. I mean, where is she at? How can you go to somewhere and laugh and giggle and act like Go about your business like nothing happened. In an effort to reportedly regain custody of her six other children who were taken away after Aaliyah vanished, Lena Lunsford went before a judge in a closed-door hearing, but still refuses to offer any insight as to what she thinks happened to her daughter. Did you or your husband have anything to do with her disappearance? Why will you not speak with the media? 
Her husband, Ralph Lunsford, was also at the hearing and continued to try and duck the media and questions from those waiting outside. You have never told us anything about Aaliyah's disappearance, and many fingers are being pointed at you, so what do you have to say about that? Low call. Aaliyah's supporters say Lena and Ralph's silence speaks louder than anything else. You were supposed to protect her. What happened? Holding out hope for a Christmas miracle. They say they'll fight for Aaliyah until the very end. There's no clue in sight and we need answers. Everything's put on hold to find Aaliyah. That's what we want. We want her home for Christmas. Bad or good, we just need her home. CPS hearings are closed to the public, so we do not know the outcome of today's hearing. There is still a $20,000 reward for information on Aaliyah's disappearance. Reporting in the studio, Leslie Rubin, Eyewitness News. In September of 2011, one of the most infamous missing child cases in West Virginia history began playing out in front of local and national news cameras, confounding authorities and enraging the public at large. It would take seven years for any resolution to come, the details of the crime so shocking that even seasoned investigators found them difficult to hear. Details including allegations of child abuse and neglect, the failure of the system to protect these children, and eventually the murder of a tiny innocent girl. This is the story of Aaliyah Lunsford. The story begins on September 24, 2011 in Weston, West Virginia. Three-year-old Aaliyah was at home with her mother, Lena, and her four siblings, aged 11 years to nine months old. Lena stated that the night before, Aaliyah began experiencing flu-like symptoms and she put the child to bed early. At 6.30 the next morning, Lena said she checked on the children and Aaliyah was asleep in the bed with her nine-year-old sister, Destiny. Lena went back into their room at 9 a.m. and stated that upon checking the kids this time, Aaliyah was gone. Lena began driving around the neighborhood looking for Aaliyah and stated that she drove around until her car ran out of gas. It wasn't until then that she notified police of Aaliyah's disappearance. Upon arriving at the home, police noticed no sign of forced entry into the home. They continued to search the neighborhood, but family stated that Aaliyah was very shy and it was unlikely that she would have wandered off alone or left the home with someone outside of the family. It seemed as if Aaliyah had simply vanished. But suspicion of the nature of Aaliyah's family and home life grew, police watching their every move. Nine days after Aaliyah's disappearance, all remaining children were removed from Lena Lunsford's care. This was not the first time that Lena, who was pregnant with twin daughters at the time of Aaliyah's disappearance, had had her children removed. The Department of Health and Human Resources stated that all of the Lunsford children had been removed from the home previously and placed temporarily into foster care or with relatives but had been returned to Lena Lunsford for reasons that are still unclear. A month after Aaliyah's disappearance, Lena was arrested on welfare fraud charges, accused of selling food stamps and defrauding the system for nearly a decade. She was sentenced to eight months in prison to begin in June 2012. During the fraud trial, the judge brought up Lena's prior criminal past, which included check forgery and receiving and selling stolen property. Also during this time, police made statements to the media stating that, upon their original searches for Aaliyah, 
the synthetic drug bath salts were found in the Lunsford home. In February of 2013, while serving time for welfare fraud charges, Leah Lunsford lost custody of all of her children. Her husband, Ralph, who fathered five of the children, also had his parental rights revoked. The court stated that it appeared the Lunsford children had suffered years of mental and physical neglect, some of them suffering from irreversible tooth decay due to neglect. Lena and Ralph later divorced. However, during the custody hearings, court documents stated that Lena and Ralph vaguely accused the other of having something to do with Aaliyah's disappearance. It was later determined that neither Lena nor Ralph would ever regain custody of their children. Lena was released from jail after serving her eight-month fraud charge, but was jailed again three more times over the next few years in a series of probation violations and additional fraud charges. All the while, authorities had never given up on finding Aaliyah. Lena Lunsford's crimes continued to make headlines and kept Aaliyah's disappearance in the public spotlight. Authorities hoped that this would lead to new information into Aaliyah's disappearance, and it did, although the information came from a source that no one had expected. Five years after Aaliyah's disappearance, her siblings had all been adopted by the same family. Her sister Destiny, now 15, was the nine-year-old sibling that told authorities she had seen Aaliyah on the morning of her disappearance. Now, in the safety of her new family, Destiny told a story to her new parents, a story that would break the case of her sister's disappearance wide open. Well, I can tell you right now that I think that this story is going to get even worse. It really breaks your heart when you hear that how kids are mistreated in such a horrible, horrible way. And I've known a lot of kids growing up that, you know, they, they, you could tell that stuff wasn't right at home. And people say that I didn't have a normal childhood because I was one of 12 kids, but you know, there was no abuse. There was none of that kind of stuff. And we did, we hung out with this one kid who used to come over all the time and, and his mom lived with her boyfriend at the time and they were living with them and he came home one day and saw the boyfriend shoot his mom right in the head right in front of Jesus yeah so and it was the same kind of situation they were neglected and it's just it's sad it's sad that we live in that system the saddest part to me is that the children had already been removed from the home once and were sent back and you're hearing stories more and more like this now because There are so many children neglected and placed into adopted families in the foster care system. They're running out of room. There are no more families coming forward to adopt these kids. We haven't yet told the rest of the story, but if she hadn't been placed back with her mother, this probably never would have happened. And that is the tragedy. You know, it was almost the same kind of thing in the Susan Powell case with Josh Powell. Exactly. They had, he had a supervised visitation and they let them go to his house and the kids walked in first. Right. And he slammed the door in the supervisor's face. And And you've heard that 911 call. You've heard that woman, how frantic she sounded. You know, you need to be here. Something is not right. And they were ignored. And these children 
are being ignored and it is a complete failure of our system. We are failing our children. Yeah, I mean, we just listened, you know, you just heard the snippet we did on the injustice system, how people are falsely accused of crimes and sent to prison. Well, this is almost the same kind of thing. Children are being neglected and given right back to the parents who are neglecting them. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, Serial Spirit listeners, Cece here, the host of the Sooner State True Crime Podcast. We focus on cases based in my wonderful home state of Oklahoma. And since the term Sooner actually refers to the state's very first true crime, Cheaters in the Land Run, Oklahoma is definitely a crime state. Sooner State True Crime can be found in most podcast apps or visit our website anchor.fm slash crime state new episodes are released twice a month follow us on twitter at crime state for upcoming episodes and more so come away with me and discover my crime state on the sooner state true crime podcast So, Annie, guess what? What, Jay? I just got off the phone with Mike Diamond. You know, Mike Deli Meats. Deli Meats. Yeah, and he just told me that we have a Patreon set up. We do have a Patreon. 100%. Hot diggity dog. And we are so excited to be part of this Patreon with ParanormalWarehouse.com because guess what? You can get our podcast exclusively a week early before everybody else gets to hear it. And that's pretty sweet. Not just can you get Serial Spirits a week early, you can get all the shows that Paranormal Warehouse has to offer, plus all kinds of Paranormal Warehouse merch that is not available to the public. Patreon.com forward slash Paranormal Warehouse. Guys, this is where it's at. Live out your best quarantine days watching Paranormal Warehouse. You won't regret it. Alex King from the American Ghost Hunter Show. He just got a sweet Serial Spirits tank top. And let me tell you what, his nipples do hang out of them. His nipples have never looked better. So become a patron today. Go to patreon.com forward slash Paranormal Warehouse. Get our show a week early with some other cool stuff. Hi, I'm Cassie. I'm Tiffany. And we're the hosts of Happy Hour Gets Weird. On our podcast, we talk all things weird, like UFOs, Bigfoot, astrology, ghosts, and even true crime. And every episode, we create a fabulous new cocktail. So fabulous. If you're looking for a little weirdness, please search Happy Hour Gets Weird on your favorite podcast platform. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. My name is John Clark. I'm the president and CEO of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. We see child uh, sex trafficking as a growing problem. At the National Center and with partnerships such as we have with the FBI, uh, we want to reduce these incidents. So I'm pleased when I see these operations going on and I know that the effort continues all the time around the clock to try to find those young children. This is something that's happening in communities all across the country. We need moms and dads and teachers and neighbors and everybody working hand in hand to try to identify where this situation is happening so that we can bring the right resources to bear to fight child sex trafficking. 
You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Aaliyah's older sister, Destiny, claimed that on the night of September 23, 2011, Lena Lunsford had beaten Aaliyah with a broken bed slat. She put the girls to bed together, telling her that Aaliyah was sick. Destiny said that upon checking on her sister, quote, her head felt squishy. When she woke up the next morning, she stated that Aaliyah was unresponsive. Lena came into the room and attempted to revive the child, but it appeared that it was too late. Little Aaliyah had apparently died at some point during the night as a result of being beaten at the hands of her own mother. This is when, according to Destiny, Lena Lunsford did the unthinkable. Instead of calling 911, she placed Aaliyah's body in a clothes hamper and ordered the rest of the children to get in the car. Destiny watched her mother put the clothes hamper in the car with them and stated they drove to a remote area called Vedas, down a dirt road with no road signs. Destiny said Lena told the children to stay in the car, took the hamper with Aaliyah's body from the car, and went into the woods. When Lena returned, she returned without the hamper. The children never saw their sister again. I was doing something in a different room and I heard commotion so I like ran to see what was going on and I did witness um, our mom take a board to her head and she fell. Destiny says Aaliyah was always treated differently than the others. Harsher punishments, sometimes forced to drink salt water and deprived of food and even clothes and blankets to sleep in. When she did go to bed, um, you know, she wasn't allowed to wear any clothes and her beds were stripped full of sheets and so it had the regular plastic bed and um, she went to sleep and we um, we felt her head before she went to sleep and it was like squishy like I had said um, and she said that her head hurt really bad. The next morning, Aaliyah was dead as Lena frantically tried to revive her but refused to call 911. And when nothing really worked, um, we went and um, we um, took Aaliyah out to bait us in a hamper, and um, we left her there. As Destiny recalled the story to her adoptive parents, she stated that she had been afraid to tell anyone what had happened in fear of retaliation from her mother. She threatened that if they ever told anyone what had happened, she could hurt them too. Finally, with her mother now in prison on other charges, Destiny felt safe enough to tell what had actually happened to Aaliyah. Eventually, authorities were able to record a conversation between Destiny and her older sister, Kiera, who corroborated Destiny's story of Aaliyah's tragic ending. In November of 2016, Lena Lunsford, now living in Florida, was arrested for the murder of her daughter and extradited to Lewis County, West Virginia. She started cleaning up around like the areas and everything and we called the police and we got her story straight and everything. But her older sister, Kiara, who was 11 at the time, didn't know yet that she had confessed. We just were all hiding 
you know, lies and doing a cover-up for one evil person. Law enforcement came up with a plan to bug the Coles home in hopes that Destiny could get Kiara to tell her story too. Then, just minutes before time ran out on the operation. Craig said, they're talking, it's happening. And I just, I just burst into tears. I was like, only God <laughs> in that third hour of that bug could make a, a conversation happen that had not happened in five years ever. Lena was arrested soon after. The trial more than a year later was the first time the girls would face their mother in years. Is there anything that you would say to your mom now if you had the chance? Oh, wow. Taken back at first, it's not something she's dwelled on. I don't know if I would definitely say it to her, but I would definitely um, say I'm sorry that I didn't do it sooner and told the truth sooner. She knows that without Aaliyah, she wouldn't be where she is today with a family that protects her and supports her. Looking forward to the day they meet again. I see the age progress photos and she looks very pretty and um, in heaven one day I'm going to see her and be nice. We begin with new information coming to light on the death of Aaliyah Lunsford. The three-year-old was reported missing five years ago, and tonight investigators say her mother killed her. 13 News anchor Dan Thorne joins us live in the studio with more on this case. Dan. Jennifer, the criminal complaint shows her mother, 34-year-old Lena Lunsford, killed Aaliyah by striking her in the head with a handheld object. This happened at their home on or about September 21st, 2011. Deputies say Lunsford did not help the child after she was hit and would not let anyone else help or call 911. Lunsford was formally charged this morning in Lewis County after police arrested her yesterday in Florida. Today, the Lewis County Sheriff's Department held a press conference on their investigation. I realize that there are several questions unanswered. However, I'm sure the one question that's weighing on everyone's mind is have we located Aaliyah? The investigation has led us to believe that one person, that the one person who possesses this knowledge of Aaliyah's whereabouts is in police custody. It's been a roller coaster, you know. I'm happy that finally something is getting done. Um, it's sad that um, what little bit of hope we were we had is gone now, you know, that she would be found alive. Deputies say Lunsford covered up the crime by making up a fake story, destroying evidence and hiding Aaliyah's body. Investigators have not shared any further information on the body's whereabouts. Lunsford is being held on $250,000 bail. We'll, of course, continue to follow this story as new details emerge. For 13 News, I'm Dan Thorne, working for you. Dan. During trial, Lena's attorneys claimed that her daughters had concocted the story themselves and said that Aaliyah might actually still be alive and could have been sold for heroin. But the jury didn't believe that story. And on April 23, 2018, the jury found Lena Lunsford guilty of one count of murder of a child by a parent, guardian, or custodian, one count of death of a child by a parent, guardian, custodian, or other person by child abuse, one count of child abuse resulting in injury, and one count of concealment of a deceased human body. It took the jury only 20 minutes to suggest a punishment of life without mercy. She was sentenced to life in prison without parole for the murder, with an additional 40 years for the other charges to be served consecutively. Police conducted a thorough search of the Vedas area for Aaliyah's body, but to date, her remains have never been found. 
Authorities believe that her body was placed in a ravine which floods frequently and that it's likely she may never be found. After Lena's conviction, Craig Cole, who adopted all of the remaining Lunsford children, founded the Aaliyah Lunsford Foundation to help children of abuse in the foster care system and also opened Aaliyah's Farm, a two and a half acre horse farm with the hopes of offering free equine therapy to children in the foster care system. Shay, this story isn't completely over, unfortunately. Number one, Aaliyah's body has never been found, and although it may be unlikely that she will ever be recovered, it would bring closure to her family, especially her siblings. On top of that, Leah Lunsford's attorneys have filed multiple appeals requesting a new trial, stating that there was insufficient physical evidence for a conviction, and that Lena Lunsford did not receive a fair trial in West Virginia that a change of venue should have been requested. The only public statement that Lena Lunsford has ever made after any of her arrest or her conviction came during her 2018 sentencing when she stated, quote, With all due respect, I feel that there was no possible way I could get a fair trial in Lewis County. Hopefully soon, somewhere else, I'll be given a new trial where they can base their decisions on the facts of the case, end quote. I really uh, do agree with the fact that she was not given a fair trial on this because the county she was in, I mean, they had it out for her head. So they probably should have moved venues, but I know that that's, you know, a whole different ballgame. I'll agree. As as this played out in especially the local news, she was, she looked really guilty because, you know, just such a short time after Aaliyah disappeared, she goes to jail on welfare fraud charges. And you're already thinking, okay, this is a real low life person. Then she goes to jail again and again and again, and the kids are taken from her custody. I get that. I think it played into her character more than anything else, both in the public and at trial. Although I still 100% believe that she's guilty. I don't think there are, there's no reason for these children to lie. And they had already been removed from the home once. You know that something was happening there. Those children were experiencing some type of abuse. This baby did not go away on her own. No, I 100% agree. Like, there's just, there may not be any hard physical evidence, but nine and 10-year-old kids aren't going to just concoct some story that, oh, yeah, your mom drove us out to the middle of nowhere. And then and they'll give specific details like the laundry basket. Did, or did she put her in the laundry basket and dumped her body? And we were, she told us not to say anything or she'd do the same thing to us. You know, that's, yeah. Something I mean, else that I found interesting while reading more of the news reports was that the jury was comprised of 10 women and two men. And if you put any mothers on that jury, I mean, it was hard for me to even read parts of it, part of of Destiny's, you know, where she said her head felt squishy. That's just incomprehensible as a parent to think that somebody could do that to their child. So you put a jury of 10 women and two men together it's a little minutes. they came back right, in 20, 20 minutes, minutes life right without there. mercy it it was a little one-sided i will agree with that but i think even if she were given another trial in timbuktu they're still going to find her guilty yeah without a doubt and and you know she's lucky i'm pretty sure west virginia doesn't have the death penalty because I would have opted for the death penalty right? if I was prosecuting And I'm this. sure they would have as well. I don't know. It's incomprehensible to think that, yeah, you could do this to your own child for, for one. But for two is that you involve the rest of your children and instill that fear in them that if you tell, it's going to happen to you too. The picture that they used of Leah, the missing person picture, was the absolute 
saddest picture that you will ever see of a child. It looks like she's crying. It's the most unbelievable thing. And so from the minute she disappeared, it just ripped your heart out. And so I don't know what's going to happen with this case in the future. If they remain in West Virginia, I don't think she'll have another trial. It's hard to say at this point. At least her children are all safe now, all together in the same home with the same adoptive family. That's the one good thing that came out of this story. Yeah, I mean, good for those people. They they took all of the kids and they kept them all together. And that's that's a huge plus because that saves them from going through, through the system all separately, you know, going from house to house to house. They all get to stay together. And they opened up the equestrian farm in the little girl's honor, and that was sweet too. But they, one, one thing I want to say... You heard in that clip that the mother always seemed to take all her frustration and anger out on the youngest child. She was like, had to go to bed in a, a, a no sheets, no blanket, sometimes wasn't given any food. Right. She took the brunt of everything. It really was only a matter of time. And the system failed these kids when they, they failed Aaliyah when they, they didn't take her away for good. They failed the miserably. Time. They failed miserably. And I don't know what the vindication for that is. I, I don't know how we change the system, because there are so many cases like this. You hear more and more of these every day, and that is the most damaging part of all this, besides that missing and murdered baby, is the fact that if our system continues the way it is, this will happen again. And it has. It's happened over and over again. Like I, we were talking earlier, there's so many cases of this happening. I mean, there's stories of this woman murdered three of her kids because the one kid she found out was molesting her two other boys. Then the boy started molesting the youngest boy and she, she murdered them both. She murdered them both because they were monsters. She thought they were monsters and she was protecting her youngest son. The whole point of doing this case is, I mean, it really want, it's supposed to bring awareness. If you know of an abuse situation, you, you need to call the right people. You need to, you need to get a hold of the authorities and nip it in the butt right away. It's out of your hands once the authorities are involved, I guess, to an extent, because like we said, sometimes the system fails, but at least you're taking the steps to make sure that these kids are safe. I have a friend whose father has worked for decades in the local system, placing foster children from abused families in different places. And she told me something one day that I thought was just absolutely devastating. They have so few employees for the number of cases that they have to visit on a weekly basis that even if you place a call for a welfare check on a child, there are some places where it can take more than a week for them to actually get out there and do that welfare check. So please, if you have any inclination that someone around you is being abused, please call the authorities, let them know. Let's hope it doesn't take a week to check on these children because for some of those children, that week will be too late. I also had a friend and... You got to keep in mind that what some of these people see when they go, you know, it's it's horrendous and it's horrifying. And I had a friend, she was doing this for a long time, going, doing welfare checks. She was part of the children's services and she finally had to quit because she had a case and the, there was an eight-year-old girl. She went missing and she kept going to see the mother, knowing the mother was a huge drug addict. And finally, they got to the mother to admit where the kid was. And she had sold her child to a drug addict up the street for sex. And she walked away that day. She's like, I can't do this anymore. It's physically taking a toll 
on my mental health. We got to keep that in mind too, because it's not that the system fails, but it also, there's, it's got to be a very hard, stressful, draining job. So keep that in mind also. So now that we brought you guys down, we're going to go ahead and end this episode. You know, I know it's a bummer. I know we're going through a really tough time in the world right now. We don't mean to bring you down more, but you know, these cases are important to, to hear and to find out. So you know what's going on in this world. And uh, we just want to make these kind of things aware. Got any final thoughts, Weebs? We love you guys. Hang in there. If you have any information about any of these missing child cases that you would like us to cover, please send those to serialspirits at AOL.com. We're always looking for new stories to cover. Also, I want to start taking, again, we did this last year and we didn't really get any traction from it. But if you have songs that you would like to hear or put out there for your band or just your solo artist and you want them featured on the show, send them our way. You know, we'll give you full credit. We'll put all the uh, links to how to reach you and where to find your music in the credits of our show. And uh, yeah, because I'm, I'm all about music. and I just, We're always trying to support our local artists. Yeah, always. So go ahead and do that same email address, serialspirits at AOL.com, guys. Until next time, be aware, be safe. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Serial Spirits, the podcast. Find us weekly on all your podcasting platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you subscribe. Our theme song was written and produced by Annie Weibel for Serial Spirits, the podcast. Check us out on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Serial Spirits. You can always find Serial Spirits on www.paranormalwarehouse.com. Check out all the amazing shows that Paranormal Warehouse has to offer. Also on Twitter at Serial Spirits. Guys, be aware and be safe. We'll see you next time.